Welcome to the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast, where we invite you into a journey of healing and personal transformation that will radically change your divorce experience, heal your heart while refining your character, and set you up to be effective and feel empowered as you navigate the practical and emotional challenges of divorce. I'm your host, Karen McMahon founder of Journey Beyond Divorce. My divorce brought me to my knees and it also transformed me and set me on this path to help you. And I was in the hospital for a couple of days and I did a world of soul searching. Again, in this time, I'm thinking it's in my mind that it's all psychological. It's because I'm not handling my stress while I've done this to myself. So I did a lot of soul searching and when I got out of the hospital, I went and got books on mindfulness and meditation and I just started really paying attention. I feel like I was given a second chance at life and I just, there's nothing like thinking you're going to die that makes you really appreciate life even with it's good and bad. And through all of these techniques, the mindfulness, the meditation, I started to realize that I... I can deal with stressors. I know how not to cope. I'll take deep breaths. I will do different things. I will learn to appreciate, you know, what's out there and not be so fearful of the what could go wrong. Because so much of what you worry about that could go wrong never does. It's, you know, so you waste all this time and energy. And so I just, that, so that was valuable lesson number one that year was life is worth living. Welcome to Voices of Celebration. This series is designed to inspire and encourage you as we share real life experiences of former Journey Beyond Divorce clients who invested in their personal growth through divorce and emerged a better version of themselves with a more rewarding post-divorce life. Welcome to another episode of Voices of Celebration. I think these are my favorite episodes uh, to record. With us today is a former client who worked with Rachel named Claire. Welcome, Claire. Hi there. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you so much for joining me today, Claire. I'm happy to be here. I think the work that um, I did with Rachel was just so incredibly transformative and really helped lead me along the life that I that I really wanted to lead. So I'm really ecstatic about that. Yeah. And you know what? I always start at the beginning and I think we should start at the end today or the okay. current, not the end, but where you are now. And so you you were just doing such a beautiful job of describing your um, zest for life. So can you just talk a little bit about how far post-divorce are you? Uh, well, the divorce was final about eight months ago. It had been in process for a little while prior to that. Um, there was a little bit of a delay because I had to deal with some health issues and it kind of put things on the on the side. But um, the official divorce how? has been less than a year. Yeah, that's relatively yeah, so how, new. How has life been for you? Uh, life has been really great. Um you know, I 
it's funny because I think back to when I started working with Rachel and that was about almost two years ago. And that very first phone call I had with her, I remember that I had to leave the house because I didn't want to have this conversation with other people around, you know, my ex-husband was still in the house. Um, my kids were still there. My adult children were still there working remotely. And I just couldn't have that private conversation that I wanted to. And I remember I drove to a parking lot near my house because it was right along the river and it was pouring rain and the tears that I was crying pretty much matched the rain. And I was just overcome with sadness and grief and shame and fear and all of these emotions that I just at that point thought to myself, I can never imagine life ever being good. And oh my God, <laughs> it's like 180 degree turnaround. It's it's really amazing. And I think the thing for me that's so wonderful about it is I, I'm living that proverbial living my best life. Um, I've learned to stand up for myself, to focus on my needs, but to do so in a way that doesn't take away from other people. Um, I have a really very um, collegial relationship with my now ex-husband. Um, we still talk frequently. We were together for 30 years. And I think just because our marriage didn't work out, um, we both still care about each other. And I think um, keeping that sort of relationship intact um, with my family and his family and, you know, his sister actually came to visit me recently. And so it's really been important, I think, for us. I feel like... Um, I failed at marriage, but I'm winning at divorce because I think we really are succeeding. And how can you do this in a way that allows you to have dignity and grace and mutual respect? And um, not that I'm advocating that everybody divorces, but there there can be a way to do it that leaves you holding your head high and allowing you to have that sort of dignity and um, that's, I think, really been phenomenal for, for everybody involved. It's, um, And I think a lot of that had to do with the 12-step program that, that you offered. I listened to that early in the days of after having made the decision to divorce, and it was so eye-opening. And I would highly recommend if people haven't gone through that, listen to it. It is It was instrumental in everything from you know, owning your part in the divorce and how not to hold resentments. And, um, you know, there are things that are sad. It is sad that the relationship, the, the marriage ended, but you can't change the past. What you can do is you can learn from it. And you, I, I think one of the phrases that I learned that really made so much of a difference to me is what serves you. Um, there were things, mistakes that I made in the marriage. There were mistakes that he made. Um, if I were to hold resentments for the mistakes that he made, how does that serve me? Because I made mistakes too. And so I think this going through that program and working with Rachel, who was phenomenal. <laughs> yes, she is. <laughs> um, yeah, she she really was wonderful. And again, it really helped me go from what was a very dark place to one where there's so much potential and there's so much possibility. And I've learned to stand up for myself, not only personally, but professionally, um, and to have the courage to take chances and to 
you know, go outside of my comfort zone. I think one of my favorite phrases is never let your fear decide your fate. Doesn't mean I'm going to jump out of an airplane anytime soon, but, um, you know, I think my ex-husband and I for, for years really had struggled in our relationship and we, do we stay? Do we go? Is this good enough? Is it not good enough? Is it going to get any better? We tried going through counseling. We tried doing different things. I, I'm much more of an action oriented person. So I tried a variety of different things and, you know, he did things, you know, that he thought would help him. And it just, it seemed like it was never going to get any better. And I had to make a decision as did he, is this good enough? Is this the way that we want our relationship right. to be for the rest of our lives? And there are a lot of married couples who have been together for a very long time who would say, okay, it's like a roommate situation but it's better than nothing and, or it's a roommate situation, but I'm afraid to be alone. And I thought this isn't what I want and I can either stay and then find myself someday saying, geez, I really missed out on life. Or I could decide that, you know what? No, this wasn't enough for me and it wasn't enough for him either. That's to make that very difficult decision to, to go our separate ways. So, so this is such a, a great story. And it sounds like, um, while we have a lot of clients in the very high conflict, um, arena, mm. it sounds like you guys had more of, a uh, garden variety. Of course, there's some conflict and stress and, right. and right. tension, but that, I mean, you're still, you're still, um, collegial with each other and right. you have children together and, and it sounds, and you're connected with each other's extended family. Mm-hmm. I would mm-hmm. love to hear. I'm hearing this zest for life. I'm hearing about this like new best chapter. Can you can you give whatever details you're like? What is it that's so different in your life oh now than God. when you were? This is where I grab the box of tissues before we start talking because I might get very emotional about this. Um, you know, the reality is is I grew up in not in a very emotionally healthy family. Um, And I'm not blaming my parents because they didn't grow up in a very emotionally healthy family either. And their parents didn't. So it's, it's the gift that keeps on giving. Um, And so it really made me, and and my ex-husband, something similar, he grew up in a, in a very difficult uh, uh, household. And so it resulted in two adults that really had difficulty expressing emotion deal. I mean, even acknowledging uh, what the emotions were um, much less how to work through that. I mean, you can't work through an emotion if you are not acknowledging what it is. And so, you know, I think, um, over time we, then we end up, you know, getting married, we had children, we were busy careers, um, you know, parental health issues, parental death. We just eventually got to the point where, you know, I think he's, he shut down and with me not being able to express that, I felt like the weight of the world was on my shoulders, especially when the kids were teenagers and were going through their teenage angst. He was doing the best he could. I was doing the best I could, but it really became, it became very stressful for me. I was incredibly anxious all the time. I worried all the time little thing. I just, I was like a ball of stress. I was tightly wound, very stressed, very anxious. Um, 
And I started having some health issues that went undiagnosed for many years to the point that I started thinking it was all in my head. And the more stressed I got, the worse things got, the more he withdrew. And it just kind of fed on itself to the point where I honestly didn't want to live anymore. So your life got so bad, so vacant, yeah. so stressful that even being here became, being on this planet yeah. became yeah. something you were thinking about changing. I, but I wouldn't, you know, and the thing is, I would never have done anything to end my own life because I knew the psychological and financial, that, that, when people take that action, it leaves ramifications. I loved my kids too much to do something like that to them. And, and yet, so, I, I wanted to stay in this piece of, but your truth was that it was so bad that the suicidal ideations and thoughts were part of what you were dealing with. And and I know you're about to tell us about where you're yeah. at now. And so just that contrast, like we work with mm -hmm. a lot of people and I've yeah. certainly worked with people who were in that um, depressed and discouraged place that you're mm -hmm. describing. And yeah. so, and it makes sense. You're talking about two people who have emotions, but can't emote. And it's kind of like the tea kettle that's boiling, but there's no steam to be let out and what happens. Yeah. So that's where you were at. And mm -hmm. and you smiled so widely when I asked you to describe your current state. So so give us that contrast. So what happened? Um, I pray I would never have done anything to end my life. I prayed to God to do it. But what I did is I didn't say, God, please kill me. I said, God, end my suffering. And mm -hmm. I meant something of natural causes that would allow me to escape. Yeah, but but um but to do so in a way that that wouldn't have been my kids saying, Oh my god, my mom didn't love me enough to, love to stick around. Right. God and my suffering, God and my suffering. And then one morning I woke up, middle of the night, and I started vomiting blood. A lot of it. Wow. And I ended up throwing up so much blood that when the ambulance got to my house, they couldn't find a pulse. And as they were carrying me out of the house, now that at this point in time, my daughter was a senior in high school. She was the one who called, who heard me calling for help. She called the uh, ambulance. As they're carrying me out of the house, I don't know how to describe this other than my my mind, my view started to blacken. And like this little, it like at the end of an old movie, how the screen would go to this white circle and eventually disappear. That's what I saw. And in that moment, I knew I was dying. And the funny thing is, I didn't say, oh, thank God, it's finally happening. All I could think about is my daughter is going to graduate from, from high school in a few months, and I'm not going to be there to see it. And in that moment, I so desperately wanted to live. So they transported me to the hospital um, through IV fluids and blood transfusions, they eventually stabilized me. And uh, they they did an endoscopy to figure out where the bleeding was coming from. But they said, we're not going to do a biopsy now because you've already lost so much blood. We'll, we'll repeat this in a few months when we see how you're doing. And I was in the hospital for a couple of days and I did a world of soul searching. Again, in this my time, I'm thinking it's in my mind that it's all psychological. It's because I'm not handling my stress while I've done this to myself. So I did a lot of soul searching. And when 
I got out of the hospital. I went and got books on mindfulness and meditation. And I just started really paying attention. I feel like I was given a second chance at life. And I just, there's nothing like thinking you're going to die that makes you really appreciate life, even with its good and bad. And through all of these techniques, the mindfulness, the meditation, I started to realize that I I can deal with stressors. I know how not to cope. I'll take deep breaths. I will do different things. I will learn to appreciate, you know, what's out there and not be so fearful of the what could go wrong. Because so much of what you worry about that could go wrong never does. It's you know, so you waste all this time and energy. And so I just that so that was valuable lesson number one that year was life is worth living. Um, what ended up happening shortly thereafter is I ended up some of the medication they gave me to basically save my life had some unintended consequences where I ended up needing to have major surgery. And it's very painful. I was out of work for a couple of months. Um, one of the things I didn't mention earlier is that I was bullied in junior high school. And that left a bit of a scar of always wondering, did people actually really like me or not? That was another hurdle that I dealt with all my life. And I will tell you that when I had this surgery, I was blown away by the number of people that came over to bring us food, that came over just to sit with me because that first month, I all I did was sleep and get up and watch TV. I couldn't do anything, but people came and kept me company. When I was finally able to get out of the house, I couldn't drive. They took me out to lunch. I just, I was blown away by how much people did for me that made me realize, oh my God, people actually do care about me. So that's valuable lesson number two. And then while I was recovering from the surgery, I went for the repeat endoscopy to find out, you know, how the, the, how it was healing from what the earlier, a severe bleed. And that's when they, the good news, bad news is the good news is that they found out why for the past, you know, decade I'd had intermittent abdominal pain and anemia. The bad news is it was cancer. And that never would have been diagnosed had I not had that bleeding episode. And I had such an interesting reaction to this. It was a, because nobody wants to have cancer, but I thought to myself, I can get through this. And I can get through anything. And I think those things, all of this happened in the course of like less than five months. And that's what totally transformed my life and made me, again, learn life is worth living, that people do care about me, and I can get through anything. And so it's kind of why I smiled, because as horrible as that was, as horrible as, you know, my depression was and how horrible I felt my life was... I just, I got a new lease on life and I learned Mm -hmm. that I can do something about it. And, you know, I think that's kind of then from that point forward, um, you know, again, my now, now ex-husband and I, you know, again, try to make the relationship work, but, but it really wasn't. And just realizing that life is short and I wanted more out of it. And, you know, again, we could do so in a way that allowed us to have that dignity and respect and and all of that, but um, gave me the opportunity to really focus on what do I want out of life now that I have a second chance at it. So tell me a little bit about your second chapter. So um, a lot of, again, I I found my voice. I found my courage. Um, 
you know, again, we made this this difficult decision to to go our separate ways. And I started sticking up for myself in other ways. Um, so like with my job, there were th- certain things that I had wanted to do um, in my career and other things that I no longer wanted to do. And I had tried for a couple of years to, you know, get that to change. And finally, I stood up and, and said, you know what? I don't want to do this role any longer. This one over here, I want to focus on this other role. And um, I knew there were opportunities to do that with the company. And I just basically said, either I get the opportunity to do this, or maybe it is time for me to move on and be okay with that. And what ended up coming out of that is that I not only got the to, the opportunity to do full-time, the piece that I really enjoyed but I got a huge raise out of it and I had the opportunity to work remotely and could do so from anywhere. Um, as I was going through the divorce, we were trying to make these, well, which one of us is going to keep the house? And, uh, you know, I, at my stage of life, I didn't want to be taking care of a, of a yard, the, you know, the leaves and the snow and the ice and the grass and everything. Um, and I knew that I, at some point when I retired, I wanted to move someplace warmer. And I thought, well, why do I have to wait? Why can't I do that now? And I had some good friends that lived in another state that I'd spent a lot of time visiting. And they said, why don't you move down here? I'm like, I don't know if I want to. And then eventually over time, just the planets kind of lined up where, um, you know, other people that I knew happened to, you know, some were friends, some were relatives were moving to the same area. And I'm like, you know what? why not? Why not do this now? I could have stayed in the house and then in a couple of years sold it and moved someplace warm, but why not do it now? And so I did. I moved, you know, a thousand miles away. um, But I have friends here. I have my job. I've, um, it's been like learning. I'm learning myself all over again. And I'm now having the opportunity to go out and pursue the things that I'm interested in. And it's sometimes scary. Don't get me wrong. Cause deep down inside I am, I am shy. Um, so to go out and take the chance to go out and try and meet people and make friends and do everything. Um, but I'm, I'm like betting on myself and I I'm taking those chances and it's really been great. I've met, made a lot of wonderful friends. I really, have, you know, I had people down here already. So I feel like I had a tribe and my tribe just getting bigger. And I'm, I'm really loving life. Wow. And how is your health now, Claire? Um, I have, um, I I was treated for the cancer. um, And it was one that wasn't supposed to recur, but it did. And but it's the kind of cancer that I could live with for another 40 years and never need treatment or Maybe next time, maybe next month, I might need treatment, but um, it's, it is what it is. And I'm not letting it stop me. And, and there'll be days, weeks where I don't even remember that I have cancer. So what an amazing story. So here I'm hearing that you went from a relationship that just sounds like uh, it was dying a slow death because of, you know, the issues that each of you brought to the table, not an explosive one, but just a slow, quiet death. And then you're knocking on death's door was this huge shift for you into appreciating life. Yeah. Yeah. Which is so amazing. And then, um, 
I th- I think some of the things I heard you say was that you found your voice, that you stood up for yourself, that you mm-hmm. were able to appreciate life when life wasn't seeming so great. Um, and you mentioned the 12 steps. So a lot of people don't know, you know, what that entails. Are there a few specific um, either steps or lessons that you learn that that you felt really helped you through the difficult season? I think there were, and maybe this is like three, maybe four, five, and six, (laughs) I remember exactly which ones. I listened to them several times, but there were things about owning your piece of it. um, Because I think it's very easy to fall into the trap of if you're hurt, blame it on the other person. But yet some of, you know, we both, we both were equally guilty of, of, or equally accountable, liable, whatever the case may be, we both played a role in this. And so owning your own piece of it is, I think, incredibly important because if you can't do that, you're going to be stuck in this mindset where you're always going to be blaming the other person and you're always going to have that hurt and that anger. And when you own up to your role in it, it changes the dynamics. You do realize that you played a role in it and it's a lot easier to have a collegial relationship with the other person when it's not all their fault. You're at fault too. And so I think that was, is important. And so, um, I think that was a big piece for me. And then I love the saying, I'd heard this multiple times in these different, um, the different, uh, programs that you've done, but, um, the, the winds, the windshield is bigger than the rearview mirror. <laughs> you know, you can look in the rearview mirror all you want, but really what you should be focusing on is, is what's ahead of you. You can't change what happened in the past. What you can do is you can learn to live with it, learn to deal with it. What you learned from it, what would you not repeat? But at a certain point in time, you also have to make the decision about what do you want your life to be and what will serve you. And I know that that, I don't remember which episode it was, but that was one of the themes that I think really took away what will serve you. It would be very easy for me to be resentful of this, that, and the other thing. But what does that serve me? It is not going to change the past. It's not going to change the current situation. And all it's going to do is weigh me down. So, um, you know, and again, like I said, you have to own your piece of it because I'm sure that there are things that I did that were, I know there are things that I did that was wrong, things that I could have done better, things I did that I shouldn't have done, right. things I could have done differently, things I know now that I didn't know then. But, you know, again, you have and it's to such own a, your piece of it. Yeah. And that owning your piece um, also <laughs> steps you right out of the victim position and, exactly. and, and gives you, and, and then you can do something about it. So you have that feeling of being, in control or empowered in your own way. So I, yeah. I love that. Um, and, and the, the piece about the looking forward. And even if you don't know, like I just had a client who said, I have no idea what forward looks like. Well, then maybe it's easier to look in the rearview mirror, right. but still keep looking forward and you'll figure it out. And to your point, I mean, here you are, who would have thought that you'd move a thousand miles away, no. be hanging out <laughs> with all these girlfriends of yours and, and you're, are you still working remotely for yep. the job that you got with the raise that you got? I mean, that's yep. like incredible. Yep. Like yeah. so many gifts came out of this. Um, I so appreciate that. 
You know, the other thing I want to ask you is, could you talk a little bit about what it was like um, to work with a, a JBD coach? Like you said, oh, Rachel absolutely. was great and we know that. She but was what, phenomenal. what exactly, how did that help you? How did that um, it, add to your transformation? It helped me in ways that I can't even put into words. I think, you know, I talked about how he was a sobbing wreck that first time. And I think... Rachel was a perfect fit for me, just her personality, the way she, and and maybe other people would too. Maybe they're all as, I think Rachel's like on a pedestal up here. (laughs) Um, uh, I think it was, you know, she would help me rethink, reframe. She would help me um, focus. uh, And, you know, I think, and she would, she would, ask the probing questions. Well, what does that look like? What does that mean? You want a different life. What would that envision that? So I think she really helped me deal with the grief, uh, the shame, the guilt. I remember I was so fearful of telling my mother that we were getting divorced that, um, and she really helped coach me along the lines with that. Um, and it just, she just really, every step along the way really helped me deal with all of the emotions that I had to deal with the things that were weighing me down and helped me figure out how to build my future life and what steps I needed to take um, so that I could have the fulfillment that I have now. And and I'm not going to say that life is perfect. No life ever is perfect, but even when, even when something bad happens or there's a, it's like, you know what? Take a deep breath, breathe in, breathe out. I can get through this. And um, yeah, I I would, Rachel was phenomenal. And like I said, just every step along the way, she helped me deal with the emotions, figure out the emotions, ask the probing questions, and really didn't tell me what to do, but helped me figure out what I needed to do so that I could be in this place where I am today. Yeah, which is so beautiful. And um, do you have any experience with therapy? I do. Mm-hmm. Would you share with our listeners your perspective on the difference between uh, your experience of therapy and your experience of coaching? So my experience with therapy was mixed. I think um, it does take a lot of effort to find the right therapist that is what you're looking for because some people just want somebody to listen. Others want to want somebody who's going to challenge you and and help you think differently. I I think the difference here is that it was much more um, focused and much more actionable. Um, I, and I had a wonderful therapist that I was working with prior to, to this, but I didn't feel that, she was going to be able to guide me through the pieces that were necessary for the divorce, whether it be the emotional aspect of it, the, um, and I'm not saying the legal aspect from, you know, giving legal advice, but I think really somebody, a divorce coach is really focused in on that specific scenario and from, and, and the breadth of it. Um, you know, and I think, uh, you know, therapists may be great, but this is not their wheelhouse, so to speak. And 
focusing on very specific elements that go into the divorce, whether it be the emotional, the financial, the psychological, the social, how do you tell people? So I think so. um, knowing the whole world and knowing the whole process of divorce as an expertise and then supporting all of those is what I'm hearing you say. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, your, your story is um, so inspiring and I'm so glad that your health is doing well and you're just like, you're just beaming with delight <laughs> about your new life. Uh, this is your opportunity now to speak directly to our listeners. Uh, any, any tips, any um, words of wisdom before we wrap up? So, You know, I know your listeners fall into a variety of categories. Some are people that are contemplating divorce. Others are people that are in the middle of it. Some may be past divorce and still dealing with with post-divorce and and dealing with other issues. I would just say, you know, life is short. And doesn't mean you run out and get divorced immediately. But think about if if your life were to end tomorrow, are you living the life that you want to have? And if you don't, it's within your power to do something about it. Um, and it can be scary. Um, and that's why I think having the divorce coach was phenomenal because it helped hold your hand along that way. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's a saying, never let your fear decide your fate. And if you're afraid to do something, you'll do nothing. And you'll do nothing for year after year after year. And then at some point you'll say, I wish I had done something. I could, you know, I could have had a better life had I taken the step had I tried something um you know so just again I'm not encouraging anybody to go but don't run out and get divorced if that's not the right thing for you but don't be afraid to take a chance on yourself beautifully said You've been listening to our podcast, Getting Educated, Regulating Your Emotional Reactions, and it's been really helpful. Yet you know you could do better, be better, and you're wanting and needing more support. That's where our coaching service is a game changer. We're here for you when you need us the most, ensuring you have all the tools and resources at your fingertips, guiding and supporting you to be more effective. Our free rapid relief call helps you gain a broader perspective, commit to your best next steps, and determine what coaching support is right for you. Visit rapidreliefcall.com to book your call today. Your journey is really so inspiring and that you are where you are right now with so many years ahead and being able to create the life that you love is uh, is one of the things that we just treasure as coaches to be able to take people from those dark days of, of desperation to uh, just just beaming in their new life. And so thank you so much for sharing your story. I'm, I was happy to do it only because I got, I'm in so much of a better place now than I was that 
day that I'm sitting near the river sobbing my eyes out. And if there's one person who listens to this and is inspired to um, take a chance on themselves and do the same thing and build their beautiful life, then, then, then I've paid it forward and that makes me ecstatic. Well, thank you so much. And that's exactly why we have this series so that each of you can pay it forward and people can hear the real life stories. So I wish you the very best of luck. And thank you. Um, and I thank you once again for taking the time to join us and tell your story. I appreciate it. Your resources are so invaluable. So thank you. Thanks. And we'll be back again real soon with another episode of Voices of Celebration. Stay tuned. Thanks for joining us on the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast. I hope you found guidance and encouragement to help you along your journey. If you like my podcast, please take a minute to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. You can also visit us at jbddivorcesupport.com, where our team of coaches support both men and women through our one-on-one coaching, group programs, online courses, and free resources. Stay tuned for our next episode, and I'll talk to you soon.